welcome along to the Man in the Mirror podcast. It's Hayden Williams here, and you've come to the right place if you're interested in self-care, self-image, grooming, fragrance, skincare, and all those good things. Each week, I talk to a male guest about their life, about work, and I have a sneak peek on their bathroom shelf, and they tell me about some of those hero items, those ones they can't do without in their morning and evening routines. This week, uh, it's another face-to-face episode. I went into the centre of town to meet Andrew Cannon, who is the co-founder and CEO of Ruffians. Now, Ruffians, if you don't know, are sort of high-end barber chain. We do have a discussion, actually, in, in the podcast about the sort of terminology around you know, hair salons, barbers. But anyway, Ruffians has five salons. The first one was in Edinburgh. And there's four in London now, which are in Shoreditch, Covent Garden, Marlborough, where we met. And there's also one in the Liberties Department Store. So, yeah, I had a really interesting conversation with Andrew. So I went along to the Marlborough Salon, got to see the ruffians experience, if you like, and see what it was like in there and the, the kind of treatments they do, the, the different haircuts and um, shaving and, and grooming routines that you can have there. Yeah, really interesting to talk to Andrew and to find out more about how Ruffians came to be, the kind of products that they sell, the point of difference. So I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode. It's Andrew Cannon, the co-founder and CEO of Ruffians. I'm Hayden Williams. Let's go. Welcome along to another episode of Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here. And um, I've taken my microphone and laptop and I'm out on the town once more. This time I'm in um, Marlebun and on Wigmore Street in one of the Ruffian stalls. And I'm here with Andrew Cannon, who is the co-founder and CEO of Ruffians. Morning, Andrew. Morning. How are you? Yeah, very good. Nice to be, you know, out and about doing stuff like this. Yeah, well, look, thanks for having me in the um, in the salon this morning. And it's so great to actually see, what, see what's going on and, and seeing customers getting their haircut and getting the ruffians experience yeah so sort of there's a little background no no it's it's, it's good i think uh, you know authentic hair exactly you'll hear authentic hair dryers and authentic barber chats as yeah. we, as we we're downstairs in the kind of um training room but first of all i mean on, on a point of order how do you feel about the word barbershop like because oh, i can tell you ruffians is, is there's a really nice aesthetic lots of sort of reclaimed wood, beautiful Japanese barber chairs, and, and it feels like a sort of elevated experience. Do you, do you consider Ruffians a, a barbershop or a men's salon? Or do you mind? Yeah, how, how should I describe it? It's a really horrible, because we never wanted to be a salon or a barbershop. So, yeah. you know, actually went back to when we named Ruffians and came up with the idea. Well, I just want, wanted to be like, if you go to Starbucks, you know what you're getting. If you go to, you know, you're getting coffee, obviously. If you go to Pret, you're getting a sandwich. I was like, if you go to Ruffians, you're getting, like, a haircut, and that's like, but you can't call yourself a haircutters because they're sort of, sort of slightly too in the middle. Yeah. So we went down the barbershop line because we were like, you know, men's is what we do in the special thing. But like, the idea was eventually, you know, just ruffians. I'm just going to get a ruffians, and everyone, yeah, sort of associates that with like a good quality men's haircut. But you know, in this modern era as well, it is a bit more fluid than that. You know, it's yeah. sort of, uh, you know, there's a lot of girls who come in as well and get their haircut too because we basically cut styles that are more masculine. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you know in this. You know, more gender fluid world, but there's loads of girls that come in as well to enjoy the experience, and also they like the environment as well because you try and cheat, like it's not a traditional barbershop, but sort of for want of a better word, like clutter uh, along all the walls and stuff like yeah. that, and uh, memorabilia. It's uh, but it's not like your shiny 
peach-smelling salon either. So no. It's an identity, I suppose, an experience. That it's really interesting. You are a bit different. Yeah, that, that there's an in- inclusivity to it and that it's kind of um, everyone is welcome, which is, which yeah. is great. So I think we're clear then, we, it, rather than it being, you know, a barbershop or a hair salon, it, it's just ruffians. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Finally we get that. Yeah. There we go, yeah. And so ruffians was set up about 10 years ago now. 10 years, yeah. So we launched in 2012. Yeah, up in Edinburgh, the first outpost, as we now call it, which is yeah. very upsetting for them. They're like, no, we're not an outpost. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're the, the heart of things. We're the original and best, yeah. <laughs> so up in Edinburgh, and then progressively we launched uh, four more shops down here in London. So we've got, um, you know, Covent Garden was next, then the, here we are in Marlborough on Wigmore Street, then Shoreditch, and then we were always looking for a while for somewhere in Soho, and we're in Liberty, uh, yeah. which is you know, a phenomenal place to be and helps you know, elevate who we are as well, which is nice. Absolutely, and, the, yeah, and that's the one that I've, I've been to and had a really nice experience there. And actually, we have a former guest on the podcast, uh, Robin James, man for himself, mm. to thank, because he, he connected Andrew and myself, so that was, uh, that was really kind of him. And I know he's a big fan yeah, yeah. Of, of ruffians. Scottish and... brethren, yeah. Yes, exactly. and he's moved, moved back. He's moved up to Edinburgh, so yeah. now he's, uh, we're like, well, if you're up here, you cannot go anywhere else. We're trying to, he comes in there, so he's a... Being super you know, advocate and supporter of us, along yeah. with loads of other people, you know, in that industry, who just, you know, it's actually really inclusive and sort of supportive, you know, the men's grooming world, or, or even not pushing out like, into men's fashion and stuff as well. I think there aren't as many. You know, the female world is just dominates. So when you find that sort of niche, of having a, a few guys to support you, is is very nice. Yeah, and I suppose it's interesting to to think about thinking about setting up a a men's salon. But barbershop, you know, what what do you think is different about ruffians? Because we're all familiar with the, the the barbershop on the high street, and you know, it's it's a certain price point, and you know what you're going to get. What did you want to do that was was different? Because obviously, you've built out ruffians now, as you say, into to five branches. Where's where's the point of difference? Do you think, Andrew? Well, I think it goes back to the beginning moment when you're sort of saying up, and the idea of ruffians was to create an environment that is relaxing and confidence building for for guys having their hair cut and it's mm. it is you know the word is used a lot nowadays but anxiety like there is a, a relatively large amount of anxiety around getting your hair cut like we have guys who come in who are ceos or you know brain surgeons whatever like really high pressure things but mm. they come in and they just have no control over how they get their hair cut and i know it sounds really silly but it means a lot to them and I was thought, well, you know, where is that? Where can they go? They can go... Ten years ago, you, the modern barbershop revolution that we're part of, and, you know, we are very proud to be in it, but it hadn't really happened, right? So mm. we sort of, we'd like to think of some of the forefathers of that. Yeah. So you had your cheap barbershop where, you know, it wasn't clean, uh, it wasn't well-serviced, and you didn't necessarily get a great haircut at the end of it. Uh, and then you had your salons, so your Tony guys, and it was mainly... You know, there were independent salons, but mainly like, the chains and stuff like that. So we were like, well we don't really want to be in a Tony Guy environment. And they, mm. so, you know, one in 10 haircuts there is probably a man's haircut. So those guys aren't, those stylists aren't actually as no. good at cutting hair as you might think. Uh, men's, sorry, men's hair, they're great hairstylists, don't get me wrong, but they're not as practiced and trained and they don't have the familiarity with it. So I was like, why isn't there this environment that you can go into that's enjoyable, that is, has a nice sort of um, buzz and energy to it? And that's where it came around. So in terms of how do you create something that they feel that relaxation and they can just get in there and, and sort of describe what they want, but also be, a lot of it is a consultation, like help them explain what they want. Because, you know, there's nothing worse than sitting down in a chair and the person sort of chucks on your gown and says, right, what do you want? 
And yeah, sometimes oh, you need a bit of helping. So we're sort of a bit like, you know, the first question should be like, if we haven't had cut the hair before, and we know that because of our repo system, we'll be like, oh, you're a new client, welcome, thanks for coming and joining us. Yeah. We'll chat a little bit, put them at ease, you know, and then be like, right, so when was your last haircut? Which is a great starting thing, because mm. they can't get that question wrong. Yeah. They can be like, yay, like, I, can, I can answer that. So they're like, right, I had it six weeks ago. And then immediately, you know, whoever's cutting your hair can actually just uh, be like, okay, well, this is six weeks of growth, and we know that on average it's like a centimetre a month or whatever. Then you'll be like, right, this is what it must look like. Wow, it's a bit heavy on this side. Mm. Do you wish they'd taken that a bit shorter? And they've been like, yeah, or no. And they, they, they actually, you can see them physically get excited about the fact that they're like, yeah. wow, this is going to work for me. And then, you know, during the actual haircut, they can relax and enjoy it. And it's all about that and like building relationships. And we got you training you could do with hairdressers. You just keep going and you get better and better and better. But it, mainly it's repetition, like riding a bike. Like you're going to make a few mistakes along the way. Our guys are experienced and they do that. But you can't teach them how to converse. You can't teach them how to build yeah. the emotion and to chat and, and pick up on, you know, social and visual hues of someone and whether they're anxious or whether they're looking super relaxed or what, even just to observe it. Like observing what clothes they're wearing. So they're halfway through Echo, they're like, oh my God, I love your, uh, you know, your Nikes or whatever they're wearing. And that person, again, feels good about themselves. They feel noticed. But it's actually genuinely because our guys care about that sort of thing. And they, yeah. they've chosen to be in this industry and we're at the top end of it. So, like, when people apply for jobs with us, you know, they're, they're nervous because they're like, this is where I want to get to. So, yeah. it's sort of that, that's the environment we've been trying to create. And, like, I think, you know, if you look at retail, like, there was a a strong surge of like the experience. If you're going to go to retailers and buy, let's say, fashion like clothes, then the design and layout of the store is very important. And I guess that didn't happen in my industry as well. So we take a lot of you know pride in how our stores look and yeah. the materials we use, because I think someone's sitting there, you know, 45 minutes, they can just sit back, lean back, and they're all in, and they're taking in. Yeah. They're noticing the little dirty bits and the clean bits and the effort, the little tweaks of things we've done. So I think it's it's. That wasn't happening 10 years ago. Yeah. It probably sounds a bit like common sense now. It's like, oh, well, that's just normal. But like, it's, we've had to work hard to you know, be with that and like, yeah. elevate above it. And the way you elevate is through training your team and making them happy. And yeah. We've got the best team in Britain, and definitely, which means you know, London is the hub of hairdressing in the world, so we're probably the best hairdresser in the world. Yeah, there you go. Hey, you heard it here. That's what I'm like. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we go back to our hairdressers as much for you know, the experience and the people that we, the barber that we connect with, or that, that's as, as important, I would say, as yeah. the, the haircut. It's, it's probably it? more important now than it ever has been, just yeah. because of lots of talk around mental health and stuff like that. There's a, lot yeah. of, there's a lot of movements with that within the hairdressing industry to go both ways, because, you know, there's, you, you don't go to your barber necessarily for mental health advice, mm. um, but you sort of passively get it, like you accidentally ask it, and, you, and you're, yeah. you're offloading, right? And so there's, that's quite a burden on our individuals because yeah. you've got, you know, 10 to 12 people telling them a 40, Just letting 40, it all out. 40 minute story, <laughs> yeah. you know, of like their divorce or their work stress or, yeah. or, you know, their COVID anxiety, whatever it might have been. And so, yeah, we do now, you know, we're educating our guys to be like how to deal with this, like for themselves. Really? Compartmentalise. Yeah. You know, like, don't just store that away and get yourself in a, in a tiz. Like, you know, you need to share that, but also how to help that person. Oh, we're, we're not healthcare professionals, so we'll be like, look, you know, if you want to, you know, you can go and chat to these other people. Because like, mm. like, there's the odd time that happens, but mainly people have it in a relatively jovial, fun way. So those are outlying cases, but, you know, you have to really take, pay attention to it now. Yeah. I think people want it and they want, 
a nice sounding board. And some people don't want that at all. And they just want stories and fun. You yeah. know, and you can give them that too and, you know, make it a good laugh. So they come back and, you know, my, I always said to the guys, like, the, uh, the sign of success is if when you finish that conversation, that person is like, God, I want to go for a drink with you in the pub now. And like, I just want to be like a friend. Yeah. Because uh, then, and then, you know, often you'll, times you'll say to the team, look, just find out, or they will find out a couple of interesting things about them so that when they uh, leave and come back, you'll be like, oh, how was that? So it might be like, and nowadays, like, the Six Nations rugby's on, so it's a bit, mm. oh, how was the rugby game? Isn't it amazing that, you know, England dumped Italy or whatever it might be? Yeah. So they come back and, again, the media, they feel warm. They're like, oh, they, you remember that yeah. I was going to do that. It's like, yeah, because it's interesting to me. So, you know, that's, it's that relationship building that is just totally, totally key. Totally. And it, and it points to the fact that, you know, even if it's, you know, once every month or a couple of months, whatever it is, that that relationship, if you get to see the same barber, like you say, it's a sounding board. It, it, it does become, it does become a, a sort of valuable relationship. And, yeah. and it's, it's someone, I suppose, that's independent. That you can have a conversation that won't be shared elsewhere. And I, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to be said for that. That's it. I, yeah, it is, it is private and confidential and fun. And I think that, you know, there's the, it almost becomes a ritual in a way that is something to be looked forward to. It's like, yeah. well, I can't wait to go for my next haircut. Whereas most guys, getting your haircut is a chore. It's a lot of my hair has grown. How inconvenient. I'll stop off here and get it. Whereas we say to the guys, look, the customers um, and our friends, we say, look, we want you to book now. Like, when you're leaving, book now. Something to look forward to in four weeks' time or six yeah. weeks' time, whatever it is they choose. And, you know, probably half our customers are like, yeah, let's get that booked in. And then mm. we send them, you know, we've got all set up so they send an email and text reminder so they're aware of it and they can reschedule they need to. But it's just something to get in, in the diary as a sort of a bit of a ritual and excitement. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. And I think, you know, probably even when, when Ruffy's was, was founded 10 years ago, we, we weren't using terms like self-care and all that stuff. But it's, it's just as important for men to take that time and decompress or you know have a beer or a coffee with up, upstairs as they're having their hair cut yeah a, a bit of time for themselves and 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 entrusted to someone that knows what they're doing and it, and it just doesn't feel like every time you have to explain it all again i think that's yeah really, i mean really valuable to me you know health is physical mental and social right so it's those things that we work a lot on that and this we're super lucky because what we do is physical, mental and social. Well, we just yeah. we incorporate all bits of health. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of the whole well-being and stuff like that nowadays, but they keep it simple. Like you just have a nice chat with these people. They walk out looking great, feeling great, and whether that's them going off to a meeting so they can do that or whether it's just going home to their family. But you know, hair is a very personal thing and I was totally some people who are super wealthy, you know, and could easily afford ruffians haircuts every day if they wanted to. They would never come in because it's like it's not hair isn't their thing or like the, that physical appearance element of it doesn't mean something to them and they might spend loads of money on their clothes loads of money on i don't know probably moisturizers whatever mm. but hair is just not a deal whereas there are some people who come in to us and yeah it's, it's a payday thing and they're like call my payday i'm coming in to get my haircut because yeah. it's the thing is part it's of their nice identity yeah. yeah and it makes them they don't really care what everyone else thinks they walk out feeling really confident yeah and then they tackle whatever else they want to tackle and it's sort of yeah, when I got into this, I didn't, I didn't realize it was quite such a, a big deal. Yeah, so many so holistic. Yeah, and it's, it's cool. It's sort of... But did, you, did you think, was having a, a, a line of products always part of the sort of roadmap for ruffians? Did they, did they come quite early on in the... Yeah, yeah. When, when the, you set up in, in yeah, Edinburgh? Yeah, yeah. So the business plan was always barbershop with products, be 
not setting up a product brand to then have barbershops alongside it. Mm-hmm. You know, and one because we, we I didn't know what I was doing. You know, effectively, in all honesty, I was just like, so say, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew's stuff. background, you're, you're, I mean, you, you've got experience and you've, you've done some, you know experience there working in the salon, but you're, you're not a sort of hairdresser yeah, by trade, yeah. are you? Not a hairdresser by trade, no. So I did marketing and advertising uh, and then the retail sort of operations, I suppose. Right. It came to it from a, a very different mindset, not in this industry at all either. So none of the, so I wasn't in, you know, toiletries or beauty and not in hairdressing. And it was more the opportunity. I was like, this is, this is some, this chore of getting your hair cut needs to change uh, and let's make it fun and enjoyable. So mm. that was where it came from. So when the business plan was originally written, it always had like, these are the barbershops and we're going to build our own product range. So at the beginning, we didn't have the, the funds to do that or the know-how. So it was a case of, right, let's go away, prove that we can create this barbershop environment, atmosphere that everyone can, not everyone, our customers relate to and enjoy. And then and find out from them, let's let's do our product research and find out what's, what they want, what they don't want. So we did that to create our first range. And the first thing we did was two years in, I think, uh, when we just just were about to launch, I think, down here in London. And we thought, well, if we could launch London with some products. So we had a few of our products, uh, which were shampoos and styling products, which we thought were like, you know, the most relevant things yeah. to us. Yeah. And then we were still supplementing what we don't have, because I mean, it's, you know, there's a reason you walk into the beauty hall at Selfridges and there's a gazillion products. Like everyone wants different things, whether that's yeah. scent, whether yeah. that's function or ingredient or, uh, you know, maybe just packaging, like something that makes them feel right for them. Mm. Uh, so we were like, well, let's do a few things. We did six products and uh, then everything else we substituted with stuff from other brands that we cared about and thought were good. People like Sasha Juan, we actually worked with L'Oreal um, in their Techniart side, which is like their sort of catwalky type stuff. Oh, okay. Really high performance, yeah, yeah. For professional grade. So we worked with them. Um, and that meant also we get access to do other fun things, at trade shows and stuff where we go on stage and do haircuts and stuff. For them. Mm. So there's a lot of synergies with that. And again, learning. And then in the end of 2019, we decided it was time to launch our own, I guess, like straight out of the barbershop. We've learned everything here. Um, and we'd found partners we could actually like build our products with. So we started doing that. But again, it was like dipping toe in the water to see, and it was sort of, what is the appetite for this? not just within our walls anymore, but outside of it, because we hadn't sold anything outside of our walls mm. in, from that first lot. That's a big like, change, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's yeah. different. And all like, can we get the packaging right? Because, yeah. you know, it's all very well when you got, you're cutting someone's hair and then you start it, and they're like, wow, that's amazing. It's like, it's the one because I'm a great hairdresser, and it's two because these are our products, and you can, this is, mm. it's an easy upsell. Yeah, because it's and like... You can tell the story while yeah, you're there. And yeah, and they know the brand, yeah. and so they're already committed to it in some way. Yeah. Whereas if you're going into a retail environment and you're putting your products on the shelf next to other stuff yeah. without any, you know, without a little head there telling you all the good stuff about it, mm. uh, it's a lot more challenging. So we did that and we teamed up exclusively with Liberty, uh, with Bricks and Mortar and Cult Beauty uh, digitally. And so, I mean, that was great. I had launched until through the end of February with them. So we had like a three month exclusive with those two. And then, uh, and then obviously COVID struck in, in March, and we were like, "Of course, this is really annoying to living <laughs> yeah. for us." So like, Got a warehouse full of stock. Yeah, so it was a bit, um, you know, that was a bit painful. And you know, new brands getting newness onto a shelf of you know department stores. You know, these uh, agreements that we had were sort of fell by the wayside a bit. So, yeah. uh, and you know, we had to, as you can imagine, like cutting hair was a, was a, was an industry that was hit incredibly, yeah. incredibly hard. So you know, we've. 
sort of pause that product side a bit, to be honest. Yeah, let's just concentrate on consolidating and not making sure that we say, I guess there's, there's, um, you know, it's it's a whole other world, isn't it? Say, outside of the the stores themselves, that whole business of, you know, distribution and manufacturing and getting products and sales and getting products into physical shops, that must, you know, that that must take a lot of your time as well, right? Uh, Yeah, it it, it did. And it was unknown to us, right? So, you know, it was a skill set that we didn't necessarily have. Mm. And so when we're like, let's go do it, you know, it was a brave decision, exciting, and it's worked out all right. And we've sort of had really positive feedback from it. So that's given us confidence, but right, let's do it like our our proper range of it now. Yeah, so that so fragrances launched recently, Andrew. Yeah, so but there's one for each one for each store. And that was a bit of a lockdowny project, was to it? be honest. Yeah. So we we had such a sort of uh, a heartwarming response to being locked down. People were like missed us, right? Mm. Because they didn't get everything we just talked about. That social interaction was yeah. lost. Um that camaraderie. And so people were very kind. They were like, look, we miss you. We miss coming to you. And we get emails saying, you know, I used to come to Shoreditch and I'd stop off um, and get a coffee from like um, Fix 126, one, which is on the corner of this really <coughs> cool coffee shop. And then I come into you guys and get my hair cut and I'm missing yeah. this ritual. And so, you know, that community element of it, we decided, well, why don't we try and somehow take that fragrance, uh, take, take that pinpoint that community in a fragrance for each shop and so we've got our store managers each of them whilst they're twiddling their thumbs at home uh, on furlough we're like well what are you guys come up with like what is your what does it mean to you speak to some, great, like, speak to some of your key customers Ooh. and then we briefed that and spoke we worked with Robert a brilliant yep. fragrance house yeah um, and they their perfumers were like yeah let's do this so we built these fragrances together and then launched them uh, towards the end of last year was there a lot of um, back and forth and Testing and developing, did it take quite a long time to get it to did the take, final one? It did take a long time. So a couple of them, a bit like all these things, sometimes they just hit the nail on the head. Mm. But what they would do is they would, you know, we'd brief them, they'd bring a couple of ideas and, and then you'd maybe tweak it a bit. But a couple of them, they were like, yeah, you know, just hit, like the Marvin one, for example, we're like, oof, that just smells like you're in that sort of mahogany-style tall house here, just yeah. having just got your, um, you know, coffee from... Chilton Street, and now you're wandering along with your Monocle magazine type thing. It was like, <laughs> it was just like, wow, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head. But, you know, some of the other ones we tweaked a bit, uh, you know, uh, toing and throwing with a few minutes. And we obviously, when we reopened, we were like, you know, get get them in here to experience it. And also, because it's, it's very, it's very social. So, like, how can you put fragrance into, how do you put, how can you build a, a social fragrance? Because it was meant to be that community aspect of it. You can only do that by coming and getting your haircut or having a beard tidy or a shave or whatever it is by one of our guys and just understanding it. And it sort of pulls all that together and you know the history. So, I mean, the Shoreditch shop was an old butcher's uh, back in the day. And you, when we stripped off the walls, you could see the old uh, you know, hanging rack where they had the uh, a really abattoir-style age the meat thing. Yeah, where they'd be hanging their meat. So we're like, can you incorporate a little bit of blood in there? Right? <laughs> Some sort of... Uh, a bit of pork. Yeah. So, you know, we were sort of articulating that because we're not perfumers. But so, you know, and it, it, you know, what happened was we found that, you know, when they launched it, you know, everyone, and every, all our customers were like, they were embracing whichever one their, their store mm. was. And, you know, there's a bit of wonderful competition between each of the stores as well to be like, hey, do you... Um, which which of you is going to have the the, the best selling fragrance type yeah. thing? And uh, you know it's it was a, a fun thing to to do. Is you know that's kind of the exploration of like ruffians and stuff. Like what we want to do. Like we're not okay. we're not a fragrance brand. Like we, we never will be. Like who comes to a get their hair cut and thing? Oh, I now want to 
smell like that. It's not a normal thing. Like, and so uh, when we then pitched it to Liberty and said, look, can we do exclusive there? We had a, like, a huge response there because people didn't... It was really weird. We thought, oh, God, who's going to buy this? But the, the packaging doesn't say anything about the barbershop. So when it went in their, in their beauty hall, uh, it went into their fragrance room and it was bizarrely the second best-selling fragrance launch of the year for them. Was it? Which is so weird because we're not, we're just not known. But I think it's partly because the team there in the fragrance room, they supported us and they were like, the Ruffians is right downstairs yeah. and they sold the story. And, you know, one of them was called Soho. So they were like, they really embraced that. And I think the other one that sold really well was Edinburgh. So actually I'll bestseller yeah uh, and everyone's just like uh, yeah i want to want to snap that up and i think it was just refreshing to have something different but it's nice to also see that you know when you're not um you know when you're not pigeonholed as a barbershop or whatever there is an opportunity for other people to like i like this brand yeah i like i like their their vibe and their their marketing so those um, like that team in the the fragrance hall at liberty's are brilliant yeah they're awesome yeah in fact i saw recently i think shout out to stuart but um yeah stuart one of the the guys who who works there, I think, was doing he was doing a big old push on the, the ruffians fragrances yeah. on his on his socials. But um, yeah, they're really knowledgeable and they're really you know they welcoming bunch. And that, I mean, Liberty's a great store because it's sort of got that reputation of you know finders like they they fought they yeah you know, goes all back to Lazenby Arthur Lazenby. You know, he went out to the forest and he brought stuff back that yeah. they hadn't seen before. And they they really try hard you can and get some to, different stuff in there. Can't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. The buyers like they're always wanting to find the new thing and yeah. then sort of that pulls in that crowd is just uh, of consumer who's sort of exploratory and aspirational. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a fun, yeah, it's a really fun place to be. But it, I think it's, um, you know, adding fragrance to the mix of ruffians, is, as you described so eloquently, I mean, it's such a, makes so much sense in terms of reinforcing what you're doing and it can it can give a kind of, um, yeah, it'll give a kind of halo effect, can't it, to the, to the brand overall. And then every time someone's spraying on the fragrance is another little reminder of... Yeah, we talked about that in terms of like, you know, on the shelf, like the ritual of coming to the barbershop. Well, how can we recreate that a little bit for them at home? So that, mm. you know, some people were like, um, we don't, the fragrance of our shampoo, the scent inside it, we, that's not one of these fragrances. And, and a lot of the, um, the customers were like, why don't you have one like that? Because, you know, I enjoy coming here and getting my hair washed and stuff and then sitting back and having that lovely smell. Mm. And it's just so familiar to me and it takes me to a place of, relaxation and confidence yeah. which is what we're trying to achieve so like yeah. hey he's like but I, you, I could have that every day in my shower if you put it into the shampoo and stuff and uh, and, and shower gels and things and I was like well, and then you can wear it as you go out on your fragrance I was like but that's not quite the point like yeah. what, what we're trying to do here yeah. like, that's for each function you want everything like, I don't think you necessarily want your shower gel to smell like the fragrance no. you wear because no. I think and you know our, sh our sort of shampoo, I suppose, is designed so that the fragrance should, you know, fall away within like 10 minutes. We use, you want a big shot of it, so you're in the shower and it's lathering up and you're like, oh, this feels great, and then it goes away. Because when you, if you're wearing, a, you know, products, uh, especially fragrance, you want it to smell of that, right? Rather mm. than it to be mm. sort of diluted with other stuff. Yeah. 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 That's where, I, that's, well, that's personally how I like it. So yeah. I'm like, that's how I want it to be done, I suppose. Well, I'm sure we'll, um, we'll touch upon ruffians and the ruffians experience again a little bit later but it would be great as always on the podcast andrew i like to have a little nosier sort of yeah. a nosy around someone's bathroom shelf as it were so are, are there some key products for you are you someone that's kind of loyal to certain skincare and grooming and fragrance or, or do you sort of try different things so how about sort of skincare do you have a, a morning and evening routine i don't really not and not in the way that um you know, a, a, a sort of skincare diehard would have. Yeah. Quite exploratory. So I have 
a lot of product, as my wife tells me, which is <laughs> semi-embarrassing. Like, definitely more than, more than her. More than her. Do now. you? Yeah. yeah. But, I, but why not? But I'm not sure. I, I don't use that many. Like, when I like something, I probably become loyal to it uh, for a period of time. And then when it ends, like the tube ends or the tub, whatever it's in. Try something else. Yeah, to be honest, I think I'd like to move on to other things. And if there's is that because you're trying to um, sort of trial different things for, for what might become sort of ruffians products, or just to sort of test the market, or are you just quite um, it start, inquisitive? It started that way. So I mean, pre ruffians, you know, my skin regime or my let's just say my morning routine, I suppose, was pretty basic. I'm actually like, it's still pretty basic, but. I think that it's, you don't need to go too far. I mean, mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, a good shower gel, and, you know, I use simple shower gel, which I've used right. for the last, you know, 30 years, you know, I think since I was 10. Uh, you know, my mother used to use it, and it doesn't really smell of anything, but it functions really well. Yeah. And, you know, it's never done anything. I, I think my skin must be so used to it that if I don't, use it for a while or I go on holiday and I forget on it. Like it also it just feels like a bit weird. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. So I'm quite religious I get that. user of that and it's sort of cucumber extracts and stuff that it says. Uh, and then uh, shampoo, I am actually not loyal to any shampoo, it has to be said. Mm. Uh, but I don't want to go back to roughness too much, but the roughest conditioner is like an awesome product. Yeah. So I use that. I use that on me. I'd on be surprised if you didn't. On my children, everywhere. Like I just think it's it's so good. And it leaves you, you know, detangles, and I've got quite sort of curlyish hair, so it's sort of uh, is really good for me. Uh, and it's got seaweed extracts in it. And like a lot of my life goes back to coastal waters and stuff. I grew up on the coast, and so a bit of a sucker for things like mineral sea salts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of the different types of seaweed which we put into the Ruffians products as well because that stuff interests me and, uh, as well as them being, you know, awesome natural uh, ingredients. Facial moisturiser, at this moment in time, I'm using a French brand called Horace. Yes, I do know Horace, yeah. Do you know? So they're... Yeah, I like them. So they've got some really cool stuff. Um, yeah. And like, I like... They've, they've got a... It's a sort of... It says it's a matte uh, sort of facial moisturiser, but actually mm. I find it's... It's not when you see Matt, you normally think it's something kind of hard and creamy. It's actually slightly oily, but which I think is nice because then it doesn't. So it gives a sort of mattifying effect. But it's, it? Yes, yeah. and you can't really tell you it's on there, but when it goes in, it sort of absorbs, absorbs it nicely. So I use that, and I and then I don't use you know anything else on my face. I don't, mm. I don't use toners or anything like that. I just don't think I need to personally. Yep. Um, and then I use our hair cream, which is also like brilliant and got the seaweeds in, so for styling my hair. It's quite, it's quite a battle to style my hair. I'd need like a fixer, like an aerosols to actually tell it where to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with his curls, so it will actually just do its own thing. So it's more like for your hair nutrition and like you know, keep the pollutions out, all that sort of stuff. That's why I like using the hair cream. So I mean, those are sort of my rudimentary yeah. things, I suppose. But and and how about fragrance, Andrea? Do you are you, are you um, do you have a range of fragrances or are you? Are you using the ruffians ones? Or? Again, I'm totally, I use a lot of different- Promiscuous. Yeah, I am a bit promiscuous and it depends on my mood. And I, I like the idea of, um, you know, actually when we did the ruffians fragrances, we probably over the course of the, the projects, oh gosh, I must have 20 or so different fragrances. And some of which, you know, I've still got them in the bathroom and I will dip, dip and they've all got numbers next to them so I don't know what's in them and so it's <laughs> okay. a case of like testing myself yeah. um, so and then I'll put them on and it's a way of just sort of you know I guess educating myself more like what's inside them why, why it's like that and just the, emo the emotion it gives you so right. there, there are a, a few things I mean personally 
out of the ruffians range it would be the liberty one is that i love going back a few years as well my favorite fragrance probably of all time is mont blanc like just the explore which explore, one explorer yeah. yeah but it might have been because i was more young and carefree in those days and it's just it's it's just associated with the time in my life where i was just you know, I didn't have kids. I was I just yeah. met Kate, my wife, and we were having. You know, I was just I was living in central doing London and stuff, and really doing fun stuff. And it just took it everywhere with me, and it was it evokes a lot of emotions. And I don't wear it anymore, but they are like. Then whenever I come across it, I get very surprise. excited. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like this is something, and you know, for me, fragrance is is about emotion. It's yeah. about memory. Yeah, totally. and, may, and maybe there's a little bit of. I don't know if there's somewhere future as well. Like, so in terms of naming culture and stuff like that, we've obviously gone for just we've called each fragrance for us, like where that store is located. Mm. But I do like people like Dias and Dogo. I know you've had yes, the, yeah, David. Yeah, David stuff. was on. Yeah. So it's people, but they're naming like burrito and that sort of more niche luxury market. I get quite excited, like smelling like when you see a name and then lifting up the you know pot, whatever they've got to smell it. But it's weird because sometimes it takes you to where you think that is, and other times I'm like, that is not what it should smell. No, so it's just very subjective, isn't it? It is, but that's why yeah. it's, it sort of makes it fun and exciting because yeah. you, you know, you're taking on a little journey, and then in your head you can be like, well, they've written down this is the blurb of what I should be smelling, but then you get to create your own little world, and it doesn't mean you doesn't like the fragrance. It yeah. just means that you maybe don't agree with what their vision was. But yeah. I don't think those people would care. They'd be like, that, they, they, I think. In fragrance, it is so subjective. You can challenge it. And they'll be like, well, if that's what you feel, you know, yeah. great, you know. I think it's, it's yeah, if, if someone's created a fragrance based on a, a certain place that was special to them or a certain holiday memory, it is quite difficult. I mean, let alone for the perfumer to interpret that, that's one step away. But for the end user, it could be, could be anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're, I, you're right. I mean, David, um, the, the descriptions of someone like the Dias and Durga brand, I, I just think they're... He, he's really good at creating this whole kind of world around the fragrance where there's a, a playlist and there's really interesting um, copy around it and it just makes it kind of fun yeah, and, and irreverent. And everything yeah, like yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, I Very I cool it. brand. It's super cool. It makes me... Uh, he's very cool. Terror, terrified. Yeah, cool. yeah, exactly. But that's all good. You know, one day, maybe I'll be cool. <laughs> I mean, my, my yeah, children disagree, but... I, you know. Yeah, I felt very uncool with like, you know, sort of ex-Brooklyn musician and, you know, turned... You've got music in your bones, though, don't you? I do, I do. yeah, I do, I do, actually, yeah, but um, not in kind of cool New York <laughs> indie. <work. laughs> I, I, no, it's a story for another podcast, but much more mainstream, actually, but no, he was, he was great. Uh, just in terms of ruffians, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to understand, where do you see, what do you see the developments in, in with, with, with the brand, and, and, you know, where do you see sort of barbering going? Is, is there... Uh, can you see developments in in the pipeline, for, you know, for the brand and, and and the sector as a whole? What what, what, do you, what do you think's happening at the moment? Yeah, I think that there's still, you know, the, our priority at this moment in time is going to be product building and like the, so the, the sort of things that go alongside the actual barber experience to make that experience better. And as I said, taking it onto your own bathroom shelf and mm. so that people can use Ruffin's products there. You know, and calling out some of the other products out there that probably aren't... I mean, we're so lucky. We've got this totally unique thing, like, where we have, you know, one and a half thousand people getting their haircut a week with mm -hmm. us. And you know, the feedback you can get from that, the expertise you can learn from it, yeah. is what we need to utilise and do better. And to So do you think it'll extend to more sort of skincare and... I think so, yeah. So skincare and, you know, we well, we need more support for that. So, you know, we're actually, we've got a new chairman uh, who's ex-Neil's Yard Remedies. So he's coming on. Because, like, like I said, like, when we launched... 
But we, whenever we've done the fragrances, not just the fragrances, but any of the products, we haven't quite had the expertise that we need. We're all sort of putting our finger in the air and giving it a go, which is mm -hmm. awesome and fun. And we proved that it can work and that uh, it's, it's sort of the business, for the product. which is why we've managed yeah. to attract someone like Andrew to come and join us and be like, hey, look, if with your expertise and like your background and your context, you know, let's actually do this properly rather than sort of, you know, to the customers who might have a sort of, like, oh, well, that, that product was good, but like, I want this, like, what, and why have you thought about that? Mm. That sort of knowledge that's being brought in, um, you know, is, is invaluable. And it's not something, you know, it's, it's almost a bit like, you know, I should be sort of stepping aside in some way and letting someone else who's actually it's, say it, this is the way it should be. So that's going to be exciting. In terms of barbershopping uh, themselves, I think it was, you know, a rough time for barbershops, you know, because of COVID and having, of having to be shut down. Yeah. And I think now you can see a resurgence and there's a, there's, there's a lot of optimism and there's a lot of, um, you know, a, a few tweaks that are happening as well. Like there are more smaller salons and, and barbershops probably popping up. People who were working for the bigger companies where there might have been 20 or so stylists or whatever, they're like, you know, well, that's not really the lifestyle I want now. There's a lot more flexibility around workspacing and they're like, I would like to be somewhere where there's four or five of us and maybe I'm only working, there's a lot of chat about working less days. Um, right. So that they can have more of their life life balanced. Yeah, which I think is, you know, a nice a nice environment that people find themselves getting into and, you know, a bit more personal. And, you know, in terms of the, you know, the high street, like the barbershop used to be, or is, such a key part of the, the high street. And, yeah. and I think that's coming back as well because people, you know, there are a lot of places that didn't care enough closed mm. down in, in COVID times because they were like, they were just doing it because they had to. And I think a lot of those guys have retrained and I don't know what they're doing. Like, but a lot of people went out of the industry, but but they were, in all honesty, they're not great ones in the industry who, who weren't passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. So the people who stayed are actually super enthusiastic, super hardworking and creative, and they want to, you know, elevate this yeah. industry. And I, I think that a lot of the consumers who you know couldn't have their hair cut for, and tried doing it themselves in lockdowns realized how valuable the industry <laughs> yeah. is. It's not easy, is it? No. So yeah. that, that's that's sort of hard work. <clears throat> I mean, for us, we like to do. We did a pop up in New York uh, in Soho. Oh, did you? And you know, doing more stuff like that, so synergies with different brands who are like minded, and you know, spreading our wings a little bit is yeah. is probably our intention inter yeah. internationally, if possible. So they, Hit. there you go, spreading their wings. Um, Final thing, Andrew, I, I like to ask each guest about, as the name suggests, is man in the mirror. And um, I wonder what, what you think about when, when you look in the mirror, just in terms of what looks back at you. And, you know, it, and, it, and I guess it could be appearance or I mean, where you're at at your life stage. And you know, what, what, what do you think when you're doing your morning routine? That is a good question. I think I'm just really actually very happy at this moment in time with where I'm at, you know, so definitely to hit. Definitely not in like the, you know, <laughs> if you want to get personal about it, not in the same physical shape and stuff I was when I was in my sort of 20s or 30s. Mm. You've uh, you got know, young kids there, it's hard. That's exactly the reason. Mm. I totally blame them. <laughs> uh, you know, in terms of the aging process and the hair's getting greyer, so maybe it's time to work on some sort of cover-up sort of wash shampoo that <laughs> can hide with these way. But I, I actually don't... That sort of stuff doesn't bother me, like, because I think you're looking at, you know, progress and, like... It's very easy to be like, oh, well, I'm not doing well for whatever reason, or I'm you know, putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, but actually take a step back and look at what you've got. And I am super privileged. I've got, you know, wonderful wife, three young kids, and we live, you know, most of the time over on the west coast of Scotland. So we have this just freedom and mm. space around us. And I'm, I'm moved back to be nearer my family. So 
you know, we've got family, we've got those values that matter a lot to me and a community. So, you know, I'm in London now, but I'll be heading back up this weekend because we've got a big Cayley and that'll be like 100, 120 people in the village hall with yeah. some bagpipes and some reeling and some fiddle. And, you know, it's... It's a, it's a much slower pace of life, yeah. but everyone's in there together. So there'll be my five-year-old kid dancing with his sort of 78-year-old granny. Yeah. Like, and it, it's just, I don't know, I just, there's no need to, I've got everything I need, right? And yeah. then, you know, not to get cheesy about it, but you've, you know, we've got all roof over our heads. We, yeah. earn, we earn money, like we, we're not on the bread line. And then you used to see people's worlds getting turned upside down now. Like I can, you know, probably one of the great things is when you wake up in the morning and do your routine, like it's a fresh day. There's no mistakes being made so far. And then I try as hard as possible not to look at the news for as long as possible. Because that, like, that brings me back, back down. <laughs> back to reality. Back, back down to reality. But, yeah. you know, personally, you know, I could probably do a bit more exercise. I'd like to do a bit more stuff like that. But, but you know, I, I wonder also that, you know, you told me about, you know, where you live and, and it sounds so beautiful. And I wonder if that, you know, appearance-wise, being living where you live, it's probably good for your... Skin and appearance, like you're, you're not, you know, you're not in yeah. urban sprawl I mean, all the time. I, I, you're out out on the coast, aren't you? That's true. I mean, there is some weather-beaten faces <laughs> when, when they so, say, you know, the kids have a mixture of like rain on their face and tears coming down at the same time. That's probably not very, another walk down. Don't make me cleansing for them. Yeah, <laughs> as the salt water lashes their face. But uh, I think that. You know, well, I, I mean, I'm lucky. I get the best of all worlds. So I get to be down here. Yeah, and I get to be up there because you know, you it is calm up there, and like mm. you know, I'm not a makeup wearer, and I and I actually don't think I don't necessarily agree with it. I think just be who you are, mm. and like you know, eat well, enjoy yourselves, mm. do as much exercise as you can, so that you feel you know that's what makes you feel good ultimately. Otherwise, you're papering over the cracks. And I think you you know, as you said, when you're standing in the mirror, sort of you know, naked, you're just like, well, that's me, you know, yeah. and I'm and I'm. Pretty, got to kind of reconcile yourself. Yeah, I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah. And then you come down here, and here it, you know, I got down the, the, the sleeper train normally, so I go to a, you know, get on the train in a, in a tiny little hamlet where it's an unmanned station where you're sort of, it's dark in the west coast of Scotland, and then you come down here and you get off at Euston at sort of 8 a.m. and there's this hustle bustle, and I and I just think, okay, game face on a little bit, but mm. at the same time it is exciting. You get that buzz of yeah. Of all these things around you, so I think it does feel like a if nice. You, if you get that mix, yeah, a nice mix, isn't it? Yeah, it's it can mess with your head a bit when you if you if when you you know you come down, but it's just exciting. It's like it's a bit like being a kid again. Like, and I want to take the kids on the sleeper and put them yeah, down. I brought them down to watch Frozen the musical last year, and they were just like like fairies with their heads. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> like buzzing. Like every, every, everything was yeah. so good. But then they get back home and they just relaxed and we're like hey, yes I'm home again I'm like don't you miss like you know the excitement they're like yeah it was exciting but like this is home and this is real we've got a dog and stuff so it's just you know it's I just oh, it sounds, quite quite yeah. content in that in it that sense of where, where you are I mean I'm sure we're someone that doesn't live on the Scottish coast can be guilty of kind of idealising it but it does sound yeah it does sound well I mean in, with, with COVID and stuff there's loads of people coming up there camper vanning and stuff like that and mm. you know we were like a Airbnb practically like for all your for mates. Our friends. Yeah. More like one where we don't get paid though. <laughs> so uh, you know, everyone and they're like, this this is such a, a nice, you know, lifestyle yeah. to be in. And I think that goes a lot. I think when I was living down here looking in the mirror, I felt like I was in the rat race a bit. Yeah. And, and I was yeah, that's like, interesting. Gotta get to work, you know. And I was probably a bit more body conscious then. Mm -hmm. Like not necessarily just body, but like, you know, just you just Star, especially in my industry, you know, and the, the one time where it is like an absolute vocational hazard is Movember. Like, and I know Movember's yeah. died down a bit now, but we were right at the 
you know, the front of it, the tip of the iceberg at the beginning, because it was it launched just before ruffians, and then we were ambassadors with the first few yeah. years, and we'd have like parties. Yeah, and I was like, oh God, please don't let me grow a moustache. I'm a really <laughs> slow grower, so I'm not, not, not like, uh, you know, blessed with You that. had it sorted by February. But yeah, I was a bit like, you know, you meant to shave down on the 1st of December, uh, 1st of November, sorry. I was like, I'm just going to try and grow it and not let anyone see that I haven't shaved. <laughs> yeah, try and get my head started. And then one day I put boot polish on and Kay, my wife, went out. She was like, had a fit. She was like, oh my God, you look like some bomber pilot who, who's, who's literally can't grow any hair. It's just sort of stained their lip. It was those sort of things funny. But I mean, I, I don't take myself too seriously. So when I look in the mirror, you know, just see yourself and then just get on with it, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And finally, Andrew, um, what is it that makes you happy, brings you joy? Mm. Family, community, I think that's the main mm. thing. I think having grown up in a really strong community where like the Kaylee and everyone gets together, that means a lot to me. And, mm. you know, Trying to help out and support those people. Like, so your, your family are, cl are pretty close by then. So your yeah, parents are... so they're they're literally around a bay across a log. You know, Lovely. you could do light signals. Can you? Yeah, towards one another. So that yeah, you know, when the kids are up saying the grandparents, we can we know they're right. The candles at yeah. the window type of thing. Three flashes for uh, you're still <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why is there bedroom lights? <laughs> no, uh, you know I think that that happiness to me is that, and you know I, that has hopefully really come through in ruffians because mm. it's like. You know, we call ourselves family the whole time, each other, because we're all looking out for each other. This is a tough industry. Like, you're on your feet yeah. for nine hours of the day chatting to 10 or 12 different people, mm. and it's emotional. And, and, and I think that, you know, having that support network, yeah. a drink at the end of the day, or, you know, giving, giving someone like a you know, squeeze of the shoulder, yeah. it's a huge way. And I, yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I love it. Like, I love being with the guys and stuff. That's what's very special. And, and I suppose to retain the, those great staff that you have you know you, you you want to engender you want it to be feel like a nice place to come and yeah. work right because otherwise you're going to lose all the good people that's it and i think that starts with like a happy culture at the top but yeah it has to proliferate through the others and but what's great is they they make it happy because they'll do stuff for each other especially the managers and stuff they yeah. just look out for one another and they make it this sort of environment so we have you know ruffians parties and stuff like that so yeah. we, do, we do like our own little awards and things at the head office archway and, uh, you know, it's just really good fun and everyone's there, you know, there's there's competitive sort of banter and stuff like that, but ultimately... Yeah. But that's you know, a lot about you're, you're recruiting the right people, isn't it? And, and trying to keep them... And yeah. they yeah, must say a lot about the the culture of ruffians. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. And I hope that sort of community aspects, yeah. like, filters through. Because, you know, if you've got a strong community, you know, you get a, com you get a combined happiness rather than just, like, one person yeah. who's owning... The top guy who's... Doing yeah, okay. It's, it's like, yeah, look at you. You're, yeah, there's, yeah. there's resentment or whatever, but I don't yeah. think that, that happens. I think everyone's just like, you know, we're all looking out for one another. We've all got our own role to play. Yeah. You know, like, a, like we're, we're a team. So yeah. that's that that gives me a lot of happiness and family, you know, yeah. definitely. Yeah. All right, Andrew, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to um, come to the salon and, and, yeah, you can hear the kind of the ambience of haircuts being done around us. But um, it's been such a joy to spend some time with you. Thank oh, you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure and um, enjoy the Kaylee this weekend. Thanks very much. <laughs> Take care. Well, it was such an insightful chat with Andrew um, in, in the salon in Marlebon and there, there's so much there that I hadn't really thought about before and of course, you know, we all know that the, the barber's chair can be a, a great place to, you know, to build up a rapport and, and, and have a, you know, sort of relationship with your, with your barber but, you know, and, and that the kind of conversations that can um, that could come out of that, but I hadn't really thought, you know, to my shame, I hadn't really thought about the the, 
the effect that that can have on the barber as well, and you know the, the sort of weight of the all those conversations and and those relationships, and that actually it can take a take a toll on the on the barber too. So it's re- really interesting to hear a bit more about that, and in, and then in turn what what ruffians are are doing for their staff to sort of make sure that they're they're looked after and uh, that there's a sort of duty of care. But um, yeah, really great to, to see the store and see the, the products and, and the treatments that are on offer via Ruffians in London and Edinburgh. If you want to find out more about Ruffians, they're on Instagram at Ruffians, which is R-U-F-F-I-A-N-S at Ruffians. And it's ruffians.co.uk online where you can see the products, book treatments, um, book, a, book a haircut and things like that. So... Um, yeah, I recommend that you go and go and have a look at their product line. And um, if you're ever in either of those cities, well worth visiting a, a ruffian salon. Um, if you want to find out more about Man in the Mirror, you can do. It's at Man in the Mirror Pod on Instagram. Um, you'll find details of the other episodes and more info about what's what's coming up as well. So I'd love you to follow along there. So look, my huge thanks to Andrew Cannon, such an interesting guest. Um, Thanks to you for listening, of course. And I'll be back next time for more Man in the Mirror. Until then, take care. 